Are you single or single at heart? There's so much pressure put on people to couple up, but what if the idea that finding the one equates with happiness just isn't true for many people? What if we could truly support other milestones besides just those that involve marriage and children? Today's guest is an expert on single life and its benefits, and she will teach you what it means to be single at heart and truly embrace that. Welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. I'm Lauren LaGrasso. I'm an award-winning podcast host and producer, singer-songwriter, and multi-passionate creative. This show sits at the intersection of creativity, mental health, self-development, and spirituality, and it's meant to give you tools to love, trust, and know yourself enough to claim your right to creativity and pursue whatever it is that's on your heart. Today's guest is Bella DePaulo. She is one of the world's leading experts on single life. Bella has authored more than a dozen books on single life and other topics. The Atlantic Magazine has described her as America's foremost thinker and writer on the single experience. Her TEDx talk has been viewed more than 1.6 million times, and she often writes for publications like the New York Times, the Washington Post, Atlantic Magazine, Time, The Guardian, CNN, and NBC. I wanted to have Bella on because the way she advocates for the joy of singlehood is incredibly inspiring, and quite frankly, it's something we don't see much of in our society, even today. What she does, talking about single life being a good thing and being an end stop for many people, is to me, in and of itself, creative. I believe her advice on how to embrace solitude, love oneself, and live authentically regardless of societal expectations can truly change your life, whether you're single or coupled. From today's chat, you'll learn what it means to be single at heart, what you can do to support people's life achievements other than marriage or building a family, how to respond to questions like, why aren't you married? Or don't you want a relationship? How being single can help your mental, emotional, and physical health, and much more. Okay, now here she is. Bella DePaulo. Bella, I am so excited to have you on the show because to me, you have such an incredible creative story and a true love story. It's a story of total acceptance and happiness with oneself. And I just imagine that if everybody could know what you know, that we could have a whole world of people who feel at home with themselves, whether they choose to be coupled or single. I just love that your approach to life is one of total self-love, self-acceptance, and self-satisfaction. So thank you for being on the show and for all of your amazing work. Oh, thank you for that wonderful introduction. And thank you for saying that. It really is so important to put a different message out there about what it can mean to be single. And not just oh, you know, it's okay to be single, or it's better to be single than to be in a bad relationship. No, that's too grudging. It can be great to be single. Yeah, you really speak on the joy of being single, and I want to get into all of that. But first, you know, I believe that our life's work is at the center often between our greatest joy and our greatest pain. And so... I'm curious if that has been true for you. Like I see the greatest joy, obviously, being single and being with yourself. And then the pain is the misunderstanding and the judgment that has accompanied you living your authentic life. So tell me, why is this your topic? Talk to me. 
Oh, you know, you got right at it with talking about both the joy and the judgment because those two are so misaligned. So people just assume that if you're single, you're miserable and lonely and you're immature and you don't have anyone and you don't have a life and all those things are just wrong. And what really made me exasperated is that these kinds of conclusions about single life, that if you really want to be happy, you need to get married. If you really want to be healthy, you need to get married. They are presented as based on science. And I am a social scientist. And before I started studying single life, I thought, well, you know, maybe all that is true. I know it wasn't true of me because I loved being single, but maybe I was the exception. So then I started reading the original research reports, not the summaries that appear, you know, in the newspapers and magazines that say, oh, married people are better. (laughs) But what was really in those scientific studies? And I saw that these claims that were being made could not be supported by the kinds of studies that were being done. And if you looked at the studies that were the most sophisticated, they didn't show those things at all. So, for example, there are more than 18 studies that follow people over the course of their lives and ask them every year, how happy are you? How happy are you? How happy are you? Are you single or married? And they find that when single people get married, they maybe get a little bit happier at first. It's called a honeymoon effect. But then they go back to being as happy or as unhappy as they were when they were single. And in fact, that little honeymoon effect, that little brief excitement around the time of the wedding, on the average, only the people who get married and stay married experience it. So people who are who get divorced already, on average, becoming less happy as their wedding day approaches. So that's a whole different story than what we hear. And there is a a more recent study of health that shows that after people get married, they actually get a little less healthy. I believe that because you gain weight when you're in love. You're doing all these things. You're drinking. You're like... (laughs) You're like lounging around together. I mean, I can look back at all the times in my life when I've been single. I was felt. Yes. I also had more time to take care of myself. Yeah. And so I was really just so almost angry that social scientists were promoting this belief that if you get married, you'll be happier. So I started, I've been studying this for three decades And what I've been finding is that for some people, a substantial number of single people, it's not just that living single is as good as being coupled. It's better. For some people I call single at heart, which is the name of my book, people who are single at heart live their best lives by living single. It's their most meaningful, fulfilling, psychologically rich, and authentic lives. They are happy because they are single, not in spite of it. 
It is my life's mission to get that more affirming concept out there so other people know that single life can be an extraordinary life and single people know it too. Wow. There's so much to break down from what you said. First of all, we're all living with a big conspiracy. I mean, that's the biggest thing that I heard, which is like they're literally misreporting the data so that it makes it look like if you do this thing and if you abide by these social rules that are set, that you will be happier and healthier when really they're just leaving out part of the information. How do they get away with that? Oh, well, no one wants to challenge that. It's a story that people are invested in. And the way they talk about it, they'll say, oh, if you look at this study, people who are currently married are happier or healthier than people who are currently single, which they aren't always. But what they're doing is skipping over something really important. They're leaving out all the people who got married and then got divorced. And they didn't get divorced because their marriage was making them happier and healthier. So they're just setting aside like 43% of the people. It's like, don't look over there. Pretend that's not happening. And they just compare the people who stayed married to the people who are single. So if you do your studies a better way and follow people, over the course of their lives, then you can see if getting married made a difference for them. And for the most part, it doesn't. The people who get married are the ones who want to get married. So it's already biased in that direction. I mean, if I were forced to get married, I wouldn't be happier or healthier. I'd be miserable. One of my favorite jokes about this is is one guy asks another, is it really true that married people live longer? And he says, no, it just seems longer. <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I also just marvel at this work that you've done and you continue to do, knowing that, first of all, you're open about your age, right? Yeah, absolutely. So you're a baby boomer, right? Yeah. You came from a baby boomer generation where like, it was not something that was widely acceptable back then. Like even now it's hard, but especially hard for you to be taking a more creative approach to life at that point. Yes. You're Italian, which I know the pressure is put on me as an Italian. I'm 34. And every time I go home, it's like I've been dating my boyfriend for two years. And it's like, so do you think this <laughs> yeah. guy might be the one? And I do. Like, that's why I relate to your work so much. I never cared about getting married. I always wanted to have a baby, but I never cared about mar getting married. It always kind of seemed uh -huh. like weird to me. I like the idea now because I love the person I'm with. But like the idea that marriage would be the goal rather than like for me, like finding a life partner who I actually get along with and want to consider spending the rest of my lifetime with. It seemed like we had everything flipped the wrong way when we considered marriage and partnership. But anyway, back to you. Tell me some of the obstacles you've come across coming from the generation you did, from the cultural background you did, and just in the world that we live in. Right. So I was born in 1953, so I'm 70 years old. And looking at census data, the year 1956 was when People in the United States got married at the youngest age on record, dating all the way back to like 1890, I think. 
So that was like 22 for men and 20 for women. I mean, think about that. That means that half of the women who got married for the first time in 1956 were teenagers. So, and the rate of divorce was lower. So I grew up at a time where everybody was expected to marry. I mean, it's still true now to a large extent, but it was even more true then because not only were people all expected to get married, but they were getting to it very soon, very early in their lives. So I never had this model of staying single for life and loving it. I have always been comfortable in my single life. When I go to a wedding or I know that somebody else is getting married, I never think to myself, oh, I wish I could be the bride. (laughs) You know, I've never had that fantasy. And yet, I was so sure that everybody gets to that point of wanting that, that I thought I was just slow. So I thought, well, maybe marriage is kind of like a bug and it bites you and I haven't gotten bitten yet. (laughs) And so I was kind of waiting around to get bitten. And at some point, I don't know exactly when, at some point I realized, no, self, you are never going to want to be married. This is who you really are. And that was transformational because then I could really lean into my single life, embrace it, invest in it, and not be thinking in the back of my mind, well, you know, I could buy a house, but what if I, what if I get bitten by the marriage bug and then I want to buy a house with somebody else? You know, at some point after that, I switched my area of interest so that I was not just living single life, but studying it. And it's such a passion to work on something I care so deeply about, and that touches so many people, because even today, there are lots of single people who don't realize that it's totally fine to want to be single, to love being single, and to want to stay single. It's a thing. It definitely is. I just keep circling back, though, to the fact that You were so courageous and knew yourself so well in a time that really didn't empower it. Like, what would be your advice to somebody listening right now who's having a similar revelation that they don't want whatever like their version of a traditional life is like they don't want that traditional life and they're afraid to fully embrace that in themselves and proclaim it to the world. What's your advice to them? Yeah, be true to yourself. One of the people I interviewed for my book said that she had tried romantic relationships several times and it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the men she was in relationships with. It's just that it didn't feel right. She said, it's like a pair of shoes that aren't comfortable. (laughs) I think it's okay to go slowly to be happy and settled with yourself about your decision to stay single before you start saying that to other people and then start with maybe the people you 
trust the most, your closest friends, the ones who are least judgmental. And they might tell you, you know, well, I knew that all along. Of course, you're happy single. You're a great single person. But people you don't know will say things to you that they would never say to someone who is married, like, oh, you just think you like being single. You just haven't met the right person yet. You'll get over it. (laughs) No one would ever say to a married person, you just think you like being married. You just don't know how to be single. (laughs) So that's part of it. Another part is to find your group. The people who understand you, of course, I'd like you to read Single at Heart. I think you'll get lots of validation from that book. You could join groups of single people who love being single. There are some online Facebook groups like the Community of Single People where we talk about everything except dating or trying to escape our single lives. It's a place where we talk about being single. We talk about the challenges, not just the joys, but it's not a place where anyone's going to say, oh, you want to be happy? Go on a date. (laughs) That's great advice. Did you feel like when you realized that you were single at heart that you had to come out about it? You know, I think I expected people to understand that about me because I never, you know, asked anyone to set me up. I never kind of talked about people I wished I were with or guys I thought were hot. Or I just never did those things that single people who really don't want to be single often do. So I thought, okay, people know. I've always had close friends. I have a career that I love. When I was in Charlottesville, I taught at the University of Virginia. I had a home that I owned. Once I moved out here to California, (laughs) it's too expensive. But anyway, I still have a home that I rent that I love. One person I thought understood that without me ever saying it was my mother. And she never pressured me to marry, not even subtly. She never brought it up. And After my father died, my mother lived for seven years after my father died, and we spent a lot of time together during those seven years. You know, we talked, sometimes we traveled together, and she never brought up my single life until she was on her deathbed, and I was having the last conversation alone with her that I would ever have. And she referred to me being single, and she said, I worry about you. I was just so stunned and so saddened because I thought she understood. She could see that I was happy. She could see I had a full life. I had friends. I had a great career. I had a home. I lived in a place that I loved. And yet, There she was on her deathbed, worried about me because I was single. And that's an example of why I wrote Single at Heart. When she said that, I mean, I I wished that I had explained to her. I wished that she understood that single life was what made me happy. That's how I flourished. And... 
now with this book, which is too late for her, I hope it will help a lot of others, single people, obviously, but also the people in their lives who are worried about them, like their parents or other people who think that if they're single, they're never going to be really happy. They're not going to have a good life. And that's so untrue. And for the single at heart, it's exactly the opposite. The risk to people who are single at heart, who live the best lives by being single, is not what they will miss if they don't put a romantic partner at the center of their lives. It's what they will miss if they do. Bella, mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. First of all, thank you for sharing that. That's a really hard story and my heart's with you. I can imagine how devastating that feeling of misunderstanding would be, especially in that last conversation. You know, again, coming from Italian culture and from the generation I know your mom did, it's just the way they thought. Like my grandma, I think, was probably in your mom's generation. And I remember one of the last conversations I had with her, she met this guy that he was so nice, but I didn't like him at all. And she literally said to me, hold on to him as long as you can, as long as you possibly can. And I was like, <laughs> what? You don't even know him. <laughs> so it's just, I think in their heads, like that was the only way they could think of that we could have safety or fulfillment because that was really what was true for them. Like, there weren't a lot of financial opportunities. There weren't even opportunities for safety in the world. But it doesn't make it hurt any less. So my heart's with you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I feel so fortunate to get to live at a time where it's possible to live a fulfilling single life. I mean, what if I felt tethered to a husband for economic life support if I couldn't get by financially without a husband. I mean, that would have been horrible. Or suppose the pressures were even greater than they are, and I felt like I just had to get married to be an acceptable member of society. That would have been awful. Absolutely. So I feel very fortunate. Yeah. When you were talking, something else struck me, and that is, even if we're in relationship we need to develop a peace with being single because what I was hearing you say, like beyond that this is what you've chosen for your life and you love it, is that you have the thing that I talked about in the beginning, this deep self-acceptance, self-love, and enjoyment of your own company. How many of us can't stand to be alone or can't stand to sit in silence or can't go do things on our own or like negate our friendships to prioritize being with our partner or like put aside our own creative projects because we're always prioritizing partnership, which for me, partnership has been a very fruitful thing. But there were times when I was first falling in love with my boyfriend where my creative projects just like fell off to the wayside because I was so, I mean, I was on like the love hormones, so I don't fully blame myself for that. But like, it's very easy to put those pieces of yourself to the side. And what I hear your call to do for all of us is to remain a whole person, no matter if you're self-partnered or partnered with someone else. Yes, absolutely. You know, something that was very damaging, I think, this whole you complete me (laughs) mentality. Terrible. Yes. 
It is. You complete yourself. Yeah. And if you actually have that mentality, no matter if you're interested in dating or being partnered or being single, you will never betray yourself again in order to find belonging with another person. Right. How do you cultivate that type of self-belonging? Because I think that there is a piece of a lot of our hearts missing that doesn't allow us to have the peace that you have because we're searching for belonging and worth in other people. How do you cultivate that? I think that if you are happy with yourself, you're comfortable with yourself, that puts everything else in place. And I guess one of the things I can say is try it. (laughs) If you aren't comfortable spending time alone, try it. You know, the pandemic, for all its challenges, was revelatory to some people. They found that being stuck alone, where it was really hard to get out and, and be with people, some people, of course, found that horrible and they just couldn't deal with it. But other people found, wow, I kind of like being alone. I like doing things on my own and and structuring my own day and having the creativity that can come from being in your own space in solitude and not distracted by other people and your thoughts about what they might want you to think or expect you to want. So I think just trying it is a really good thing. And also, just knowing that there are other people who are living single life and loving it, or whatever it is that you're worried about. I mean, think about, you know, decades ago, when being gay or lesbian or anything other than heterosexual was so stigmatized, people would hide who they really are. And that wasn't healthy. And my mission is part of a whole bigger mission for everyone to get to live their most authentic, fulfilling, and meaningful lives, whatever that means. Now, for a lot of people, that's going to mean being coupled, being in a committed romantic relationship. And I'm not against that at all. What I'm against is elevating that and valuing it to the exclusion of everything else so that people who don't have that or don't want that, they should never feel like they are living lesser lives because of it. So um, the ways to get to this state are to try it, to know about and learn about people who are already doing whatever it is you wish you could do, whether it's living single or living in some other way that isn't really um, celebrated or valued or joyed, and find your allies, find your community of people who think the way you do. That's beautiful. You said something interesting. You said... I'm not trying to threaten people who want to be in a couple. I'm just saying, could you accept me as much as I accept you? Why do you think people who are coupled or people who are couple-minded see being happily single as a threat? It feels that they see 
your happiness and your acceptance of being single as threatening to their way of life. Why is that? Yes. Well, because we have this conventional wisdom that's really like a mythology, a belief system, a worldview that if only you find the one, commit to that person, then all the pieces of your life will fall in place. You have your life partner and your confidant and your sex partner. And if you have kids, you have your co-parent and you will live happily ever after. People believe that. What's more, they want to believe it. Even lots of single people want to believe that they just need to do this one thing and their life will be just what they want it to be. People who are happily single threaten that because they are showing with their lives that you don't have to be married to be happy and healthy and thriving, that people who are single can be happy too. And there are even studies that are amazing about this. They tell people about two different kinds of single people, either single people who really want to be coupled or single people who don't want to be coupled. They're happily single. And then they ask them to judge those people. What do you think they're like? And the single people who are happily single are judged to be less happy and less warm and and less everything good. And in fact, people even say that they feel angry at them. Well, what did they do wrong, those happy single people who aren't complaining about their lives, who aren't whining about being single? Why are they the ones that other people are mad at? Well, it's because they are threatening this cherished worldview that promises you that you just need to find your romantic partner, commit to that partner, and you're set. And not only that, you're not just going to have a happy life, but you're going to be better than those single people. You're going to be happier, healthier, and morally superior too, by the way. You know, I think there is something multi-layered happening in that too. So not only are you disrupting these types of people's worldview, But you know when you see someone doing something you want to do and you get jealous? (laughs) Yeah, right. I feel like there's an aspect of that in this too. So you're like, they did the thing that they were promised. If they did that, then they would get happiness. They would get this gold star. And then when they didn't, they're like, but I did it right. And I feel so much compassion for that. It's like, I did it right. I did what you told me I was supposed to do. And how am I still not happy? I played by the rules. And then to see you, who they see as somebody who played outside of the rules, doing this thing when inside of them, they're having this internal struggle of, I did it. I should be happy, but I'm not. But how could that person be happy? They didn't play by the rules. There's something happening there. And I wonder, I don't know how you would make that into a study, but I hope you do somehow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you nailed it. Definitely. You even go into some of the laws that benefit married people. Yes. Tell me in what ways 
the laws benefit married people that single people just can't access? And what ways would we need to change law in order for single people to be on equal playing field as married people? Right. So there are hundreds of laws that benefit and protect only people who are legally married. So let me give you a big example. Social security. I can work side by side with a married colleague, same number of years, same quality of work. I can do even better work or more work. <laughs> but when that my, my married colleague dies, she can leave her benefits to her spouse. And in fact, she can even leave benefits a whole array of ex-spouses if they meet certain qualifications, like she was married to them for at least 10 years. My benefits go back into the system. I can't give them to a close friend, a cherished sibling, or anyone else, yet I earn those benefits. And nobody can give their Social Security to me. So that's a big one. Another example is Family Medical Leave Act. So by the Family Medical Leave Act, which in the United States is still unpaid, in certain workplaces, you can take time off to care for, I think, a parent, a child, and a spouse. But single people can't take time off under the law to care for someone who is the equivalent of a spouse for them, like someone, a very close friend or a cherished relative. And nobody can take time off to care for them. It's not just single people who are being devalued, but also the people in their lives are being devalued. Another example is in the workplace. So some workplaces let married workers put their spouse on their health care plan at a reduced rate, but they don't let single people do the same for anyone in their life. Well, that means that married people are getting compensated more for the same work. They are getting paid more than I am just because they're married. And there's just a whole series of examples like that where if you're married, you know, you're already getting the benefit if you live together compared to like a single person who lives alone. You're already, you know, splitting the costs and being advantaged that way. And of course, you've got this whole... Um, set of wedding presents. <laughs> okay, let's talk about that one. Our culture is so weird. Like, yes, marriage and babies are beautiful things to celebrate. I want to continue to celebrate marriage and babies with you. And there's so many things that I've done that I could have used support for that nobody rallied around me for because it wasn't socially acceptable for me to just go out and be like, could you give me some gifts and a few thousand dollars? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I made my first music video and funded it completely myself. I bought my uh. condo. There's a million things that have happened in my life that have happened for me, like as a single woman or as an unmarried woman that like I didn't feel like I had the support of my community on because it's not socially acceptable. Like I really want to start a world in which we have showers for when somebody moves into a new place and yes. they're single and, and they buy it or they're renting it. Like, you know, where we contribute money to when somebody starts a new business. Like, what are some things that we can do to support people's other life achievements besides just the ones of getting married and starting a family? 
Yes, and all the kinds of things that single people are proud of, their milestones, their achievements. The ones you mentioned are just amazing. They're just wonderful. Getting a new job or leaving a bad one. <laughs> That's worth celebrating, right? Um, and I think also celebrating friendship. I just went out to dinner a few weeks ago to celebrate 23 years of friendship with someone here. Congrats. And- Yes, thank you. So those sorts of things are so important. And, you know, another part of that is that when single people have the nerve, you know, or the courage to do that, to say, I am celebrating, you know, my music video, other people might not take it seriously. So they may or may not, if you have an event to celebrate it, let's say a a party to celebrate it, they might not feel obligated to show up. Or they might say, oh yeah, I'll come and they'll change their mind. Whereas for a wedding, they might travel across the country for someone they don't even know that well. It's true. Or across the world. Yes, yes. Or a destination where they, they're committed for the whole weekend. Yeah. Well, and that's why I said thousands of dollars. Like, I have literally, over the course of my life, paid thousands of dollars to go to my friend's weddings. And happily so. And again, I'm probably going to end up getting married now. So, like, for a long time, I was like, I don't even care if I get married. What? Like, I'm going to end up getting married. So I'm not saying, like, I don't think those things are great. But for a long time, when I didn't think I was going to get married, I was like, well, this doesn't really seem fair. Like, shouldn't you guys also be donating to me in some way? <laughs> yes. So you have, when people get married these days, it's typically two people who already had all their own stuff. Yeah. So they're moving together. Now they have twice the stuff and they're asking for presents from people like single people who live alone and have to pay for everything. It should be the opposite. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you really need it when you're in your 20s and you have nothing and you could use those donations. Yes. But yeah, no, I'm totally with you. I think that's going to be a next phase for all of us is finding new ways to celebrate people outside of what we have traditionally deemed acceptable. I'm curious because these questions come up when people ask you questions like, well, why aren't you married or don't you want a relationship? How would you advise somebody listening who's getting approached with these questions responds? Well, first I'll tell you how I respond. Yes. I like to say the actual truth. I say I love being single. And I like to make it clear that I'm fully, joyfully, unapologetically single. Let me give you an example of of a time when I did that. So there's a housewarming party in my neighborhood and... They were almost all couples. So at one point, I was talking to a married man, and he introduced himself as, you know, I'm Joe, and here's my wife, Claudia, or whatever. (laughs) And I said, I'm Bella, I'm 70, and I've been single my whole life. (laughs) And he says, oh, you know, I knew a woman who was 65. She was happily single. But then she got married, and she was happily married. And I think what he was saying to me was, it's not too late. You can get married too, Bella. Yeah. (laughs) 
And so what I said to him in return was, I like stories better when the happy single person stays single. And then I said, you know, I think marriage is a little overrated. And by then his wife was out of earshot. And he looks to make sure she's out of earshot. And he says to me, if I told you what I really thought about that, I'd have to spend the night in the shed. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a pretty good comeback. Yeah. And I think sometimes, I don't know. One thing I've been trying when somebody asks me a question that I feel is rude is I'll just ask them, why did you ask me that? Exactly. In fact, Chris Marsh, who wrote a book called The Love Jones Cohort, Single and Living Alone in the Black Middle Class. Mm. That's exactly what she suggests. If somebody asks you, um, why are you not married? Why are you still single? Ask, why do you ask? And Or what do you mean? And they'll say, well, you know what I mean. And she'll say, no, I don't know what you mean. And that kind of question will eventually show the people who asked it what's wrong with it because they can't justify asking it. I guess I just don't understand. And again, I think marriage is cool. Like I've loved being in this relationship I'm in. I've loved times when I was single. I don't understand why everybody has such a desire for other people to do what they want to do. Like I even think about it in regard to religion. Like I have my own beliefs but I don't begrudge anybody else their beliefs. And I'm not so sure my belief is right. It's right for me. But I have no right to tell anybody else what is right for their own life. Unless you're hurting someone. It's just so odd that we try to exert this kind of control over, over other people. And the only thing I can think of is it comes from fear and some deep-seated feeling that you're unhappy or making a wrong choice in your life and you're trying to cover it up. Yeah, it can come from a place of insecurity. Yeah. And what you are describing is so important in so many ways because if people get to live their most fulfilling life, then, you know, that's progress. That's social justice. <laughs> and um, the more we try to push back and make people all fit in the same box, that's regressive. Yeah. And it's boring. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I hate boring. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Wait, so talking about progressive, can we just talk about how this bias toward being in a couple is inherently rooted in sexism too? Because let me just take you through some words. Spencer, old maid, thornback, cat lady, and then here's one one word, bachelor. Right. They're not the same. And the other thing that's sexist about it is the assumption that women need to be part of a couple so they'll have a guy to take care of them, or heterosexual women, so they'll have a guy to take care of them. And, and you know, as if modern women can't take care of themselves. Well, the only taking care that they would really do is with money because I feel like what happens in a lot of very traditional heterosexual couples is the women take care of the men. Yes, exactly. Yeah. In so many ways, in so many ways. 
And the money can be, you know, because men are paid more than women and all that, um, that can be an advantage financially to being married for women. But you're also taking a risk because what if your partner isn't very responsible with money or gambles or gets a lot of debt or, you know, buys things irresponsibly? That could end up affecting you and your credit and your reputation. Yeah. I want to circle back to this question, though, because like those words are very charged, spinster, old maid, thornback, cat lady, and then bachelor. I mean, I couldn't really find anything else to describe a long term single man. It was bachelor. So why is this even in 2023 in our world so much harder for women to stand up and say, I'm happy by myself? Yes, because. You know, we're supposed to be totally obsessed with finding a romantic partner and getting married. And and we're supposed to feel like we just can't survive without that, that we will be miserable and lonely. And, and the irony is that women are actually pretty good at being single. On average, they're better at making friends and keeping friends. So all these expectations around how women are going to be crushed if they don't find a romantic partner, you know? I mean, a lot of women would be disappointed if they didn't, but it's not the story we've been hearing. Yeah. And I'm curious, because this show is about creativity and learning to love, trust, and know yourself enough to pursue your creativity and pursue what's on your heart. How has being single opened you up creatively? Oh, you know, it is just wonderful. First of all, anyone who is single and commits to it and embraces their single life is already living creative by having made this creative, unconventional choice. If you decide that you, you know, you love being single, you want to stay single, you are not going to get a lot of acceptance from other people. You have to bring that self-acceptance to the table because, you know, you're doing something that's not as valued or rewarded or celebrated. And the creativity part, you know, a big part of being single at heart is being comfortable in solitude, liking having time to yourself, If you are comfortable in solitude, if you savor it as every single at heart person does, you will find that your alone time is a great place for creativity. I find, for example, that if I'm alone, I can think with my whole mind. And if somebody else is around, even someone whose company I cherish, They are stealing a sliver of my attention. And just having other people around makes you think about, well, what do they like? What do they think? And that can lead you down the path of more conventional thinking. Whereas if you're in your own space, in your own head, you're more likely to pursue creative thoughts that aren't being battered around by what somebody else thinks. That's a great point. 
How do you get comfortable in solitude? If somebody listening has a deep discomfort with being alone, with sitting with themselves, what are some ways to start to inch toward comfort and even joy in solitude? Right, right. Um, So you put it the right way, inch toward it. So try a little bit at a time and use your solitude to do something you enjoy. I mean, don't use your time alone to do the dishes or whatever task it is that's been piling up, but do something you enjoy, maybe something you enjoy watching or listening to or some hobby that you like. And especially if you're partnered, something that your partner doesn't like that you don't get to do when you're with that person or you feel reluctant to do. So that's one thing. I watch reality shows now. Yeah, really. And you can do it without judgment, right? No one's saying, oh my gosh, you like that. You know, there's another piece to it and it's really hard, but it's the thrust of it. It's the heart of it. And that is you need to be true to yourself if you aren't living authentically. And this has been shown in research. If you aren't living an authentic life, you are less likely to be comfortable in solitude. Mm. So work on yourself. Figure out who you really are, what's most important to you, what you value, and live by your values and your heart. Wow. Okay, so this is a question I had for you because I really do think the work you're doing is so important for every human because – To me, you really expanded my mind in thinking about how I'm in a relationship with myself and how easy it is in our culture that encourages constant motion, constant busyness, and constantly being with other people to forget and even dissociate from the fact that we are in relationship with ourselves. So how do you form a conscious relationship with yourself? What does that practice of being with yourself, of being self-partnered, no matter what your situation is, look like? It is. Being comfortable in solitude is part of it, which can take practice. And being attuned to who you really are and what you really like. You know, I'm a social scientist, so for me... A lot of it comes from observation, including observing myself. So let me give you an example. A long time ago, I went to stop by the home of a mom who was there with her four-year-old son. And he was adorable. He's this cute kid, and he was sitting at the table working on his coloring book, and he was all absorbed in it and contented and happy. And behind him, the sun was streaming from the window and kind of bathing him in this golden hue. Now, if you were to try to come up with a picture of the contentment and fulfillment of being a mom, that would be it. Well, my reaction was, he's a cute kid. I like him. He's sweet. But if I had to stay home with a kid every single day, I could not do it. 
And in fact, even then, after I just stayed for like, yeah, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 minutes to catch up, oh, I, I couldn't wait to get back to work. <laughs> and so for me, that told me that I don't want kids. And, you know, people will say to you, if, if you express an unpopular position like that, they'll say, oh, you'll change your mind. You just, you know, you'll get over it. You don't know yourself, really. When do you meet a really cute kid? Well, I met a really cute kid. And it wasn't that I don't like kids, you know. It just wasn't for me. So I think you need to watch yourself, pay attention to yourself, and that way you can get hints about how to accept yourself, self-knowledge about who you really are that is often going to be better than some other person doubting you and say, oh, you don't really mean that. You'll change your mind. Yeah. So really what you're saying, I think, from what I'm breaking down here is when you go out into the world looking at everything especially those promises that society, our families, media have made to us about the rules of life and asking yourself, does that feel true to me? And if the answer is no, okay, then what is true for me? And working from that perspective, rather than just allowing us to get fed every day, actually asking, what would I like to eat? Yes. Okay. Yes. I love it. You've spoken about research a number of times. I know you've done this incredible research over the decades. What has been either your favorite or even the most surprising fact that you found from the research you've done about single life? I think the whole message of the single at heart people that we aren't just okay with being single. We are flourishing that we find single life meaningful and fulfilling. And I guess under that, a specific thing is about solitude. So I always liked my time alone, which isn't inconsistent with also enjoying being with other people and having friends and a social life and all that. But so I thought, okay, the single at heart are also going to, on average, they're going to appreciate their alone time. Well, it was much more than that. Every single person I interviewed who was single at heart said they cherished their solitude. Having time alone to them was extremely important. Three people said it was like breathing. And, you know, it's such a different story than the one we hear all the time. Like, oh, if you spend time alone, you're a loner, you're isolated, you're socially inept. No, people who thrive in solitude are mature and psychologically healthy. Mm, beautiful. Okay. As I mentioned, these are a couple of my final questions here, Bella. I can't believe our time's come to an end. I love you. This has been so fun. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, the goal of the show is to help people love, trust, and know themselves enough to pursue their heart's desires. I'm curious how you define self-love and how you work on yours. Yeah, you know, for me, being single is a big part of that. And I think it's an act of self-love to love being single. 
I think anyone who's living a life that's not the most celebrated or valued or rewarded life, and yet claims that life, embraces it, is experiencing self-love, is practicing self-love. A big step for me was not just feeling that way myself, but opening my arms to all the other people out there who might feel the same way, but don't want to admit it or doubt themselves. I don't know if that's self-love or other love or both. I think it's both. I mean, for you, what you're saying is you love the things about yourself that were the hardest but most authentic choice for you. And you encourage others to love that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think people who embrace their lesser valued parts of themselves should feel proud of themselves. So final question for you, Bella. Well, first of all, how do you define single at heart? Number one. And number two, what would be your last piece of advice, little love note, to those listening who are single at heart, what do you want them to walk away with today? Let me answer the last question first, which is live your single life fully, joyfully, and unapologetically. And now what single at heart means, single at heart is about people who live their best life by being single, their most authentic, meaningful, fulfilling, and psychologically rich life. They are happy because they are single, not in spite of it. Bella, thank you. Everybody go get her book. I think no matter where you stand on the single to married spectrum, you could stand to benefit from learning to find deep peace, comfort, and self-love with just being with yourself. I think that's something we all need to work on, no matter where we are at in life or what choices we've made. So beautiful. Everyone go get your book, Single at Heart. Single at Heart. (laughs) And thank you for coming on the show. You're awesome, Bella. And thank you. I really had a wonderful time. Thank you for listening and thanks to my guest, Bella DePaulo. For more info on Bella, follow her at Bella Single at Heart on Instagram and at Bella DePaulo on X, formerly known as Twitter. You can also find a copy of her new book, Single at Heart, wherever good books are found. Thanks to Rachel Fulton for helping edit and associate produce this episode. Follow her at Rachel M. Fulton. Thanks to Liz Full for the show's theme music. Follow her at Liz Full. And again, thank you. If you like what you heard today, remember to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share the show with a friend and post about it on social media. Tag me at Lauren LaGrasso and at Unleash Your Inner Creative, and I will repost to share my gratitude. Also, tag Bella at Bella DePaulo so she can share as well. My wish for you this week is that you celebrate yourself. Whether you're singled or coupled, you always have a choice to love yourself and be proud of your achievements and milestones. You matter and you contain multitudes. Whether or not you choose to be in a relationship is just one part of your life. I love you and I believe in you. Talk with you next week.